0: It's all because of you, Jesus, that my soul can live. Two things make it possible for us to forgive. The first is that our model modeled it for us. Jesus forgave us. Forgiveness means this undeserved offering of grace. And that's how Jesus forgave us. We didn't deserve it. The second thing is when we put on these qualities of kindness and compassion and humility and gentleness and patience and love. We're getting there. We become forgivers. And that's what enables us to forgive. Now, I know that there are some incredible hurts, betrayals, injustices that have happened to some of you. The concept of forgiveness could be a sermon series because we all live in this world. And Paul just touches on it here. I've seen people forgive things I never thought possible. That if I was walking in their shoes, I don't know if I could do it. So I know it's possible. Paul doesn't give us an out because Jesus didn't take an out. He just says, forgive. Like Christ forgave you, forgive. But if forgiveness for you is something that's just deeply rooted, it's just hard, that's part of what it means to be human. And I encourage you to get help with that. Because forgiveness is is what God's, it's God's best for us so that we can live life to the full. And so if you have unforgiveness in your life, I encourage you to get help, get counseling, see a pastor here, get professional counseling. We can help you with that. I don't want to downplay how incredibly difficult it is to forgive. But I want you to know that Paul is talking here to the church we should apply everything right we're wearing these qualities and we're called to forgive in our families That's probably the hardest place isn't it and this is a family right we are children of god paul's talking to his family so i want to encourage you view it through that lens he's going to apply these things to our families next week but I wanna keep thinking about this community, okay? If we're unwilling to forgive grievances we have against one another, either A, we're not putting on the character of Christ, or maybe we've never received that forgiveness ourselves because it is a supernatural act that Christ would forgive us. And it takes the Lord himself to enable us to do that for others. Larry said, hey, if, if, if you come to the table and all of a sudden you realize I've never put my faith in Christ, there's no better time than now. And I just want to lead you through. We, we use ABCs because it's such a simple way to just look, re- realize what it takes to offer your faith to the Lord. I just wanna look at it through the lens of what we've been talking about. A, and this is something that you could do right now, just quietly in prayer, in conversation with God. You admit that you're a sinner, that you currently are in the dominion of darkness and you are under the power and the authority of sin. B, you believe that Jesus offers forgiveness through his blood shed on the cross for you, and through faith, you're transferred then out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. And then you get to see which is where we're all at, if we're in Christ, and that's choose to follow him. And that's what Paul's trying to help us to do. And so the the rest of this, what we're talking about today is what does it look like to, to live my life? in this new identity I have in Christ. I want to return to the idea just quickly of bearing with one another, because that's what he said. And it, it doesn't, it's kind of obvious, right? That if all of us are in the process of putting off the old and putting on these virtues of Christ, that we're in the process and that these ugly things that are such a part of, of us, it's, it's like how we're wired sometimes, just comes out. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens to, to the other people that are offending us. We should offer one another that same grace the Lord offers us, that they are in process. And we, we shouldn't be surprised when it peaks out in us either. In fact, the knowledge of that is humility will remind us that our ugly old self peaks out from time to time. God's patience with us will in this process will help us extend that same patience to others. Compassionate hearts are going to drive us to seek understanding and offer mercy when we disagree or we're in conflict with others kindness will help us to graciously offer forgiveness. And then Paul throws in two more virtues. It's like, okay, I just, I just, he's asking a lot. So he's all, you got two more things that you can do that are going to help. So take a look at the passage. Verse 14, he says, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So this is the perfection that Paul's teaching and his is his aim. This is what you should look like. And, and when he says put love on last, think about this. If, if, if my garments are the character and the virtues of Christ, okay, say I'm putting on gentleness and patience and compassion and, you know, I made that decision today to put those on and then over top of them I'm going to put love on. Can I take off those other things if there's something over top? No, I'd have to take love off if I wanna take humility off. You guys love, his word is glue. It's the glue that keeps all those other things there. Put them on and put love on last. If you you don't put love on, those other things are just gonna fall away when you meet trials. So love is the last thing we're to put on. And then he changes his metaphor And this is cool, because the word bond, when Paul was talking to the Ephesians, he said, make every effort to uh, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, hey, you guys are one, you've been unified. You're one new community, but you gotta make it the effort and it's the unity of the spirit, it's the bond of peace. He uses the same word for glue. And so here's where he goes next. And um, he changes his metaphor. So you've got, you've put on the right uniform. You've got love on last. He's all, now you're having a disagreement with someone. How's that going to go? Here's what he says. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. The uniform... We look like Christ, and now Paul uses a term from sports. He says, you're having a disagreement? Call in the referee. And guess what the referee is? The peace of Christ. Because if I'm in a disagreement with you, and I get out of line, and the peace of Christ is refereeing this disagreement, the peace of Christ is going to call me on the stuff. Whoa, that wasn't kindness. That wasn't gentleness. That wasn't patience. Put on love, the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit saying, These are the fruit of the Spirit, put them on. You're not acting that way towards that other person. That's what I think Paul means. He says, Let peace be the referee. The same word that Paul used. It's not the same word, but it's related to the word he used when he said, Don't let an unqualified judge judge you a couple weeks ago. Now he's saying, Let this judge you. <laughs> let the peace of Christ judge how you're walking through this disagreement with your brother or sister in Christ or family member. Do you know what rules when peace does not in our hearts? Look back a few verses to the last passage. Anger, malice, slander, harsh words, filthy language. If you have a relationship, and you guys, this, this surfaces in the family more than anywhere else, and that's the stuff that it looks like, peace is not ruling. Right? This is your old ways. These are the things Paul said last week. Put them off. Put on the character of Christ. Peace, when peace rules, those qualities are, are, they're safe, right? That's the way we're working through our hard stuff in our relationships. There was a time where this passage became a burden to me at Trinity Church. I've been here a long time. And those of you who have been here for more than probably the last three years with Todd know that we walk through a hard time together as a church family, it was a time where there were some ugly interactions. There were strong feelings. The peace of Christ was not ruling in everybody's hearts. And some of this other stuff popped up, the slander and anger. And I felt in my own heart at that time, as I was reading this passage, I was like, oh, my word. That stuff's in my heart, too. I wasn't very compassionate with people. I was prideful. I wasn't humble. I thought I was right. You guys, this, this, this became a burden for me that in my own life, and, and by the way, this happened in my family as well as I was a young dad just realizing, ooh, I'm not letting those things, those qualities of Christ lead me when I'm having a hard time disciplining my, my young children. And so I had a burden for this. And looking back to us as a community, since that's the context here, I really believe that where Paul goes next is how God led us through that time and kept our unity and brought us back to unity and love together. And it's this. It's the next point. Worship is the means of developing the character of Christ. That's a strong statement. Paul didn't put, say worship there. <laughs> but let me develop it. Worship is the means Of developing the character of Christ. Before I go on, I want to just define worship, and you'll see this is exactly what Paul's talking about. The whole letter to the Colossians is about this one thing. Pastor Todd gave the most beautiful, simple definition of worship, and specifically of what we're trying to do in this room, when he said, worship is being preoccupied with Christ. That's it. Worship is being preoccupied with Christ. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Isn't that how he started? Set your minds on things above where Christ is. He's your life. So worship is the means. And I love that simple definition. Paul's gonna talk about two things and I'm finally there and we're almost to the end. And I'm the worship pastor, so this is where I'm like, wow this is a burden for me and i'm so i love what trinity's doing so i think we're we're getting things right and we're moving in the right direction paul takes worship this concept of focusing on christ and he puts it in two camps worship in here and worship out there and i'm barely going to have time to talk about worship out there but it's like oh my word what does it look like to be preoccupied with christ in my family my marriage at my work, that's what you need to come back to next week because that's where Paul's going to go. But for this week, he just introduces that, but he talks about what we gather to do in this room. And I just, here's, here's what he says. Take a look at uh, the this, this scripture here. Uh, verse 16, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through Psalms, hymns, and and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Boom. He lays it down. He wants us to sing. And I want you guys to think about this real quick, because it's in the context of this one major activity that better be happening when we gather. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not just listen and then go out and do your own thing. Let it dwell in you richly. That's what's going to transform us on a Sunday morning when we're in this room together singing God's praises. And then notice that there are three activities that are mentioned. One is teaching and one is admonishing with wisdom, right? We want to make sure we're using God's wisdom And then he says, through singing, which is almost like saying, somehow when we're singing these praises together, we're being taught and admonished. And because you're singing, you're admonishing me because your voice is part of that beautiful chorus of praise in this room. So this is an amazing thing. Um, Paul says to teachers who've been gifted, he says, like to Timothy and Titus, you need to teach the word. So there is definitely a precedence for a pastor teaching or a Bible study leader teaching. But this passage says, you're teaching me. You're admonishing me. We're all doing that for each other. And one of the ways we do that is through just coming together and singing. Singing these truths that are centered in the scriptures so it might dwell among us richly. Um, There are three words, three forms of songs that Paul lists. And it really would be speculation for me to try and figure out what did he mean by saying hymns or psalms? Well, psalms isn't too hard to probably figure out what he meant by. Um, do you know the first two songs we sang today are ri- rich, deeply intertwined with psalms? You ever be not our praise always being on our lips, God's praise. And that greatly to be praised was like just this conglomeration of psalms, the language of the psalms informs our songs and it, and it helps us to be taught. This is who God is. This is who I am. I am who you say I am. We're being taught. Admonished has that sense of we're, we're, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like, oh, that's really getting me at a, so, at a soft spot. It's warning us, hey, maybe you're, you're getting this wrong. I, I had a really cool experience. I was at a memorial service on Friday One of our worship leaders sang two songs. And afterwards, I was talking to a guy. He was emotionally moved by the songs. And he said, when you were singing, we did Living Hope and we did Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. He's all, I just realized, this is teaching and admonishing happening, that the things that I was so focused on are so small and insignificant. I was spending all my time just angry over politics and ranting on Facebook. And he's like, these songs just, just reminded me I should be building people up, not being negative, but being positive. He was taught and admonished, wasn't he, by that song? Isn't that beautiful? I was like, wow, Lord, I've been studying this passage. I'm like, I, is this really what I just saw? This is, it was the song that did this in his heart. You guys, I believe that what we do in this room should have transforming. It should be transforming our lives. We've got to sing to God with thanksgiving in our hearts. We cannot be critical and just withhold our singing. We've got to let it go, whether it's too loud or too soft, or it's Not enough of this or too much of that. We've got, those are small things. Let the beauty of the word of Christ that's been caught in these lyrics and it's being led by these musicians, that's what's gonna transform us is if, if we allow our hearts to engage with God, allow him, allow ourselves to be taught and admonished. That's what should happen and it does happen. But I'd love to see it happening more and more In this room and so when I say worship in here it happens when we gather in Bible studies it happens in our small groups right we might not be singing in every one of the places we go and it doesn't say to do that but it definitely says you better be gathering and singing with one another because that's where some of the teaching and admonishing happens in here and then he closes Without there, and I just, oh my word, worship out there. I just want to touch on it. Look at verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Worship in here should result in worship out there. It's the, it's the in whatever you do kind of worship. And Paul's going to talk about that in our families and in our work. So I'm not going to go anywhere, except I want to read this one quote that brings us full circle right back to where we began. The phrase, in the name of the Lord, that's what we're told to do, everything in the name of the Lord, takes on a wide variety of nuances, but often the focus is on the nature or character of the Lord. To do all things in the name of the Lord, Jesus, then, doesn't mean simply to utter Jesus' name, but to act always in concert with the nature and character of our Lord. That's what a life of worship looks like out there. And that's what we get to talk about. Trinity Church, I want you to picture this with me. I want you to think about our mission to be rooted in Christ and reaching our worlds, and the implications of this. What a beautiful thing we offer to people when we wear the character of Christ. How attractive and inviting when we as a community are wearing those things and our way we interact with each other. Jesus said, it's by your love. They'll know you're my disciples. Imagine this. It's Oh, it's to this community that we're inviting people. We're inviting them to Christ, but it's this community where we hope they learn to grow once they've received Christ. We need to be a beautiful people that puts on the character of Christ. Uh, Imagine this. Imagine us, you. We put on all these qualities in the morning, Lord. Help me overflow with the fruit of your spirit. I'm putting on love, the way I'm going to interact, my first interactions with my wife and my kids, So we're wearing Christ's character, and then we're bringing his message. Could you resist that? No. That's what God intended, is for his people to look like Jesus, because we are in Jesus. So here is our now what? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and you will look and act more and more like Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us out of the dominion of darkness and into this kingdom of Jesus. We thank you for our King, Jesus. Thank you that we gather every week and we put the spotlight on him. Lord, thank you that you transform us through your spirit at work through the truth as it dwells among us richly. Father, I pray that we would be this beautiful community of people who bear with one another and we forgive and we offer each other these beautiful virtues of Christ. Lord, we want to look like him because we want to honor and glorify you. So please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.